Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have, I had never, you know, that one thing about preaching a text, it's fun, I never noticed that also. It's, isn't peace with God, shouldn't that be enough for us? But God never stops at enough. It's, it's wonderful. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, look at verse 3. Let me me just, so we read the text, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Help me as I uh, preach this text. Father, I pray that that we'll have a, a genuine understanding of what you're trying to communicate in this passage, because it's so important to our Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it important for all of us, not just the young people, to learn to stand and rejoice in the grace that God has given us. And the, this section of Romans, from Romans chapter 5 to Romans chapter 8, it begins with justification and it ends in Romans 8. Look at Romans 8 and verse 28. Keep your place in Romans 5. But look at Romans 8, 28. I know that many of you have this verse memorized. The Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Um, now, let me just explain that real quick. Don't think that predestination is to salvation. It's those that God knew were going to get saved are predestined to be like Him. Anybody that gets saved is going to be like Christ. That's It doesn't say that Patrick is going to be like Christ. It says that if Patrick believes, he'll be like Christ. That's that's what the text is saying. It's not. It's really not complicated. It's just we we sometimes infuse these words with unbiblical understanding from people that would teach Calvinism. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now look at this. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Glorified. So what we have between Romans 5 and Romans 8 is the process between justification and glorification. We're not glorified until we're made like him. We get that new body. That's the hope of glory that we read about in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. So what's happening in this text is we're going to see how does God take us from justification to glorification. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And of course, I don't think any of us would choose this process, but God is wiser than we are. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in, what's that next word? If that is a mark of maturity, I'm not mature yet. How many of you glory in tribulations? No. Why not? Because none of us like to suffer. But when you've been through a tribulation and you look at it from the other side, there's this amazing blessing for God having brought you through it. And all the lessons that you learn, and we're going to see that in the text, 
and what God does, and you look back and you say, I never want to go through that again. Years ago, we were on vacation in Colorado. We were in Telluride. We wanted to get back to the other side, and it's hours around the mountains. And so we asked uh, somebody at a store, is, is there some kind of a shortcut, a shorter way to get over? They said, do you have a four-wheel drive? And I said, well, yeah. And th- so they said, well, just take Ofer Pass. They showed us where Ofer Pass is, and so we took Ofer Pass. And here's what I know. As soon as we left, they were going... <laughs> Because this was the scariest thing I have ever experienced in my life. I'm driving, you know, it's a Honda Pilot, and I've got all-season tires, and I'm a moron, so I've got the air conditioning running, and, you know, just, we start going up this mountain, and all of a sudden, it's about like this, and it's loose shale. And I'm afraid this shale's going to go through my tire, and you start to go through these switchbacks, And it was so tight that you couldn't turn the pilot. So you'd have to pull up a little bit and back up. And you look through the rearview mirror and you see China. There's, it's a thousand, I'm not exaggerating, it's a thousand feet down. I'm scared to death. The truck's overheating because I'm an idiot and I don't have it locked up and just all the stuff. But I finally get it right. We get up to the top. And these people are in, like, Jeep Wranglers with guides and stuff. They're saying, what are you doing here? And we got to the other side, and we went into a little store, and there's T-shirts, I survived Ofer. (laughs) Now that it's done, it was kind of (laughs) cool. We're driving, the kids are little. And and we've got everything we own in the car, you know. And so they're they're playing and talking. I I, I got to my kids. I'm going to need a little quiet. I look over at Laura, and she's like, <laughs> we're scared to death. But when we got through it, it's kind of cool. We made it. It's all okay. That's what tribulations do. Men, you don't enjoy going through it. But when you're done, if you're wise, you say, God, what were you teaching me? through this? What, how can I learn to help someone else as I come through this? Carrie, I can't help but think about all of your stuff. Man, I can't wait for you to be done. And then I'll come up and have you tell us all what you've learned through it. it man, it's just so awful to go through stuff. It is tribulation. It's, it's terrible. Now, don't you think in Romans it's, it's talking more about persecution than, than the family stuff and physical stuff that we deal with? But trouble is trouble. And this there is this process, but it says we glory in tribulation. Hold your place here in Romans. Go to John chapter 16 and verse 33. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Notice he doesn't say he's going to keep us from tribulation. He says you have peace in me. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Aren't you glad that that the overcomer is our Savior? And we have peace with him. No amount of tribulation, which is part of this life, will ever separate us 
from the love of God. What can separate us from the love of God? Not heights, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But this is that a part of that process that takes us from justification to glorification. Verse 3 again, back in Romans 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. As a believer, this is such an interesting thing. As a believer... Our trials work for us, not against us. And we know that all things work together for good. Man, that's a, that can be very trite. When you say that to somebody who's going through trouble, you know, you, you, you're dealing with something that, that's a real struggle, and someone says, well, you know, these things happen. That's not helpful. And when you pull out that Romans eight twenty eight for somebody that's really going through trouble... Well, you know, there's good going to come from this. Folks, that's not what people need to hear at that moment. They need to know that you love them, that God's with them. He hasn't forgotten them in the trouble. And afterwards, you know what they're going to say? You know what God did? God worked that for good. God worked that for good. I think that's the testimony of someone who has come through, not someone who's about to go through. Uh, I think that there is some experience to it, and we will we'll see that. As a believer, our trials work for us, not against us. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. But this is fun. Look at verse 4. And patience experience. So, you know, the old story was don't pray for patience because God will send tribulation. I don't know that that's wise. I pray for patience all the time. Why? Because I'm an impatient person. And it just I got to pray that God will help me be more patient. And so far, he hasn't brought a whole lot of tribulation. I just think that I don't believe that God works that way. Um, but tribulation is to work patience. Because what you do is when you can't do anything else, you know, when I had COVID and I was sick for two weeks and couldn't do anything and Laura was sick for a month before that, and you can't do, all you can do is wait. When am I going to feel better? And I, I really feel bad for people who are chronically ill. God knows, I think, that, you know, what a baby I would be, so he hasn't done that to me yet. But just people who are chronically ill, who they, they just have to wait. They can't, go, they can't go out and run around. They can't do the stuff that we all enjoy doing. What do they learn? They really do learn patience. They learn patience. Man, I, that's so hard. Waiting on God, waiting for a resolution. Have you been in a situation that you think, surely this is going to end soon? And it drags out and drags out and drags out. What do you learn through that time? You learn to trust God and you learn patience. This is this process from justification to glorification. But this one's fun. Look at what it says in verse 4. And patience experience. Patience experience. You know, I, I think that the thing that children lack more than anything is, is wisdom and experience. You know, children, there are children that have a lot of knowledge. It's amazing sometimes what a child knows, the, just the facts that they can bring up. They have knowledge, but what they don't have is wisdom or experience. Why? Because wisdom comes from experience. Amen? And that doesn't come fast. It just does not come fast. It's fun. I've used Kevin as an illustration before, but it's fun watching Kevin do different you know, construction jobs. It's fun working with him on some of that. I learn something every time that I do that. And he has all these little tricks. There was one, I, I, he, he used a pen and marked on a, 
on a nail something that he was going to hang, and he, he, he touched the nail and to the thing, and then that was exactly where he needed to drill on the other side. And that, was, that was pretty cool. The old gray-haired man has learned some stuff after, oh, these many, many years of labor. What's the difference between what Kevin knows and, say, what Jacob knows about construction? A lot of years. A lot of experience. And if you've ever done remodeling, a lot of tribulation. You can't just walk in there and know how to do this stuff. You've got to have that experience. You've got to have that comes from the patience of, of learning and doing it. This, this experience is fun. The first mention of experience is in Genesis. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 30. I love that quote from Spurgeon where he says, I know by experience the awesome power and provision of God. He's experienced that. Um, Genesis chapter 30, look at verse 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Folks, wouldn't that be good for your boss to say, the Lord's blessed me because you're here. The Lord's blessed me for, because you're here. But what, was his, what did he say? I've learned by experience. I've learned by experience. Look at Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 16. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 16. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. My heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Now let's go back to Romans 5, 4. <clears throat> So, middle of verse 3, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and experience hope. Experience is knowledge derived from trials. You might want to write that down. Experience is knowledge derived by trials. Um, and, you know, some people have opportunities that other people don't have. Somebody was talking about Derek Jeter. And he heard him say this. They, they tried to introduce him to a supermodel because this supermodel wanted to date Derek Jeter. And Jeter said, oh, no, been there. <laughs> Derek Jeter had experience that probably the rest of us dudes don't have, you know. Because, why? Because he's Jeter. Laura called him Jeter the completer. That's what she called him. It's You guys don't care. But anyway, it is... It is amazing what a person learns when they come through trial. You know, you meet somebody with calloused hands who have, they've learned to work with their hands. And the, the, the trials that they've been through, building all of that knowledge and that experience. Those are the people that God uses, folks. These are the people that God uses. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been through, you would say, legitimate trials over the last couple of years? Would you raise your hands? You, you, that God has brought some things into your life 
that have been genuine trouble. Don't waste that experience. What are the lessons? What are you learning that you're going to be able to use in ministry? You know, God doesn't do anything for us. That's, that, God does nothing for us but what is useful for ministry. God doesn't, has nothing come into our lives but what is useful for his glory and his work. We can't let those trials distract us from what God has called us to do. So the Bible says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. Experience is knowledge derived from trials. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Do you see that in the text? Verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. I love that phraseology. It's shed abroad. It's shed abroad. It, It just fills us, that love of God. And when does that love of God genuinely manifest itself? When do you understand it coming through the trial? He really loves me. He's really here for me. He's really here to help me. This is the process from justification to glorification. And it maketh not a shame. See, while hope waits, love comforts. While hope waits, love comforts. And it's interesting that in all of Paul's letters, you have faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, that's how we have access into grace. Hope, that's the result of waiting for his return. Uh, Love, that's when we recognize the grace that has come. It's all based on the love of God that he's poured on us. Faith, hope, and love all sustain the believer through the tribulations of life. Through the tribulations of life. Let's look at the text again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now notice that next verse. We've got to keep the proper perspective. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you glad Jesus died for you? Now, verse 9. I love these three words. Much more than. Much more than being saved. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through him for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Folks, what is that talking about? The tribulation period's coming. The rapture is coming. The wrath of God is coming to this world. When we look around at all the craziness that's going around all around the globe, why do the heathen rage and the, the kings imagine and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings shall lift themselves up and God laughs. He laughs. I was watching that uh, oh that deal, The Last Dance. It's about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and all that. 
and he, he talked about how they were going to send so-and-so out to play defense on him. And I think it was Jed Bushler or whatever, and he laughed. He said, Jed Bushler. He's, he just laughs. And some guy will say that he's going to stop him, and Jordan will go and put 50 points on him or whatever. And the difference, that would be like me trying to cover Michael Jordan. You know, it would just be a joke. These people that raise themselves up and they're going to put the world in order and they're going to do things according to their plan and against God's plan, God, he he mocks them. He has them in derision. But this is the cool thing. But much more than you're justified. Much more than you're saved from wrath. The wrath is coming. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is going to rapture us out of here. And then we're going to watch as his righteous wrath is poured out on this earth. But we are saved from that wrath by what? By the life of Jesus Christ. By his resurrection. Praise God for that. You know, when I was a kid in the 1970s, um, you know, the late great planet Earth was out, and there was a. There, it, it seemed like almost every sermon, every big conference was about the second coming of Christ and all of those things. Any of you old enough to remember how that was just. That was the emphasis. Well, do you know what? He's still coming back. Is his return farther away or closer than when we were doing that? And it seems like because he hasn't come and you had all these bad preachers saying, you know, Janet Reno's got to be the Antichrist or whatever. You know, you had all that stuff going on. And I like what somebody called that. That's newspaper theology or headline theology. We don't get our theology from the headlines. We get it from the Bible. We don't get our doctrine of future things from the headlines. We get it from the Bible. And because people said that this is the fulfillment of this and it wasn't, that doesn't mean that God's promises have failed. Jesus Christ is coming back. How many of you believe he's coming back? Have you thought about it recently? Because we can get so distracted by all the craziness that's going on in the world. We have a president with dementia. It's crazy. And then... The vice president, what in the world is happening there? Fauci, proven to be a liar over and over and over again. His emails come out and we find out. He says, well, you better wear a mask. And he sends an email the same day. Well, masks don't work. He's just a liar. And these are the people that are in charge. And we start thinking, what in the world's going on? Do you know what we need to pray? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, man, it's good. Anybody here saved? You know that you're saved. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Well, you're justified. You're going to be glorified. The process is tribulation, patience, experience, hope, deliverance from wrath. Got to keep our perspective right, people. Got to keep our perspective. And that whole time, we need to be standing in joy. Stand and rejoice. Stand and rejoice. I want to end with this. How's your spirit? How, are, are you, if, if people that know you, would they say that you're a joyful person or are you an angry person? 
the, the, the world, the, the, with what's going on in the world, has it affected your demeanor? You know, do people text you, you mad bro? But what is your demeanor? Are you a Jew? Do you have a joyful demeanor? It's so funny watching people drive. And it's rare that you see somebody smiling in the car. They're angry. Now, it's probably because I just ran him into a ditch. But other than that, are you joyful? You know, we can look at all these big words, justification and all these things. Do you know what joy is? Joy is that deep and abiding assurance that regardless of one's circumstances in life, all is well between the believer and his Lord. Are you joyful? Are you living a life that is winsome so that as you are continually giving the people the gospel, they say, man, what that guy's got, that's what I want. What that lady's got, that's what I want. Or when you give them the gospel, they think, well, it's not made them happy. It's not helped their life. That process of justification to glorification, in between there, we're supposed to be working for the Lord. Amen? And we're supposed to be doing it with joy. We stand and rejoice. Let's all stand. And you'll rejoice that we're done, right, Sam? Lord, you're so good to us. We love you. Thank you for your word and all that you're doing in it and through it. Lord, thank you for Grace Baptist. Thank you for our discipleship ministry and the meeting that we had today.